the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. U.S. consumer confidence just hit its highest level in almost 17 years. Let's think back 17 years. Oh, that's pretty easy. 2000, right? That's the year after we partied like it was 1999, uh, because it actually was 1999. Oh, no, let's go. Uh, So U.S. consumer confidence is kind of an important issue. Consumer confidence... um, People are, they, they feel good about the economy. They feel good about the job market. Jumps in, consumer confidence uh, is tied sometimes towards the, your present situation and then also expectations about the future. So improvements in household confidence helps underpin people's spending. If you're confident and you're feeling good about the economy and feeling good about the job, your job, you're like, you know what, honey? You can go get the prettiest dress you can get. Get some, get, get nice nice earrings for yourself, too. And then he goes out and spends $40,000 on a truck. Um, that's confidence, right? So those results are consistent with reports out there that show economic activity and confidence are you know bouncing back. Um, jobs are plentiful. Jobs are like a bucket of fish, right? Woohoo! Who doesn't like a bucket of fish? Um, buying plan showed a greater shape uh, showing you know anticipation for the purchase of cars in the next six months. That's good for the automakers. Automakers employ a lot of people. Uh, people who said more jobs will be available in the coming months jumped. Um, uh, the share of households who expect income to rise in the next six months, uh, a little change. So that's not the best, right? So don't we all wish we could make more money? I think that was like a little fantasy, right? Bitcoin surges today after the world's biggest exchange announced plans for futures, uh, getting one step closer to becoming ETF tradable. CME Group, the world's biggest exchange operator, plans to introduce Bitcoin futures, which could help professional traders and investors finally get serious about the cryptocurrency. So uh, Bitcoin mania is alive and well. Timing of the decision is a bit of a surprise. Just a month ago, the CME president, Brian Durkin, 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 um, said, I really don't see us going forward with the futures contract in the very near future. 30 days later, the CME does a, a future. You know why? Because it's all about the do-re-mi. There's money involved in that decision, in my opinion. Uh, Mueller. 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 Uh, who didn't love Ferris Bueller's day off? The first charges unsealed in special counsel Robert Mueller's probe of the presidential election suggest a sweeping investigation. But the focus is clear. He's building the case that Donald Trump's campaign was in close touch with Russian officials who aimed to defeat Hillary Clinton. The hypothesis begins with a cooperating witness, which uh, should scare other people who are being interviewed out there. We got one. We got one rat. How many rats are going to start to squeal? So George Papadopoulos, those Greek names. Why couldn't his name just be George Papa? 
Bueller. Uh, he's a 30. Mueller. Bueller. Mueller. Bueller. Bueller. So George, George Bueller. Papadopoulos. Okay, you win. You win. Um, George Papadopoulos. Uh, Mueller is a 30-year-old Bueller. junior. <laughs> he got Bueller. one more end. Bueller. Okay, I'm, I'm done. So George Papa, he's a 30-year-old junior foreign policy advisor to the Trump campaign. He pledged guilty uh, to lying to the FBI about contacts with Russian operatives. Um, so we got one rat there. So um, people, when they hear their smoke, they go, there must be fire. And this is evidence that there was some fire. We'll see how it plays out in the coming days and coming weeks. Um, for his part, Donald Trump threw George Papa under the bus pretty darn fast. Uh, home ownership rates in the U.S. rise for the second time this year. Um, interesting, right? The U.S. home ownership rate rose for the second time. The second time? You're like, I thought home ownership, I thought, I thought sales were great, and they are. But the share of Americans who own their homes hit 63.9%. Um, somewhere around 60% is too low. Somewhere about somewhere around 70% is too high. So the housing markets benefit from strong job growth with unemployment rate falling in September to 4.2%. The American dream of home ownership remains elusive for first-time home buyers especially. Um, the reason is simple. There's just not enough supply of homes to fully satisfy the desire to own and the cost of homes. So those are stories that are out there tied towards the home ownership market. Mexico spent about $1.25 billion on the world's biggest oil hedge. So Mexico, they got oil, but they don't do as good of a job of getting oil out of the ground as Saudi Arabia does. Um, and therefore, it's been a problem for them. Uh, labor costs and getting it out, it just it's, it's prohibitive at times. So you have to hedge that bet on where does the price of oil go. Mexico spent about 24 billion pesos, uh, which is about $1.2 billion to lock in prices of oil exports for the next year, uh, an amount that exceeds by 21% what it paid to hedge crude a year ago. The cost of buying put options on the market at the end of the third quarter came to more than $1 billion spent last year to protect against a drop in oil revenue. So um, that's interesting to note that they're not flush with oil to the point that it's easy peasy, so to speak. Um, elsewhere out there, um, across the board, Apple's getting pretty solid reviews on the uh, Apple iPhone 10. That should help uh, people who were a little hesitant to spend $1,000 to unlock their pocketbook, so to speak. Um, Facebook's $126 million. Uh, people who were exposed to news feeds tied towards Russian Facebook posts. I'm not there yet, but I'm pretty tired of Facebook. So even though I have a Facebook page, Cron4, Rob Black, Cron4, Rob Black, or the, uh, my fan page, I hate Rob Black for the true fans out there, and you know who you are. So Congress can put Facebook, Twitter, and Google under public microscope uh, today and in the coming days tied towards Russia's use of the network metal in the 2016 election. Um, that's just an area that I, I don't feel comfortable talking about. An area that I do feel comfortable talking about is my hate of France and all things French. France is running out of butter for its croissants. I know you're saying, is Rob Black making that up? I am not. France's must much love croissant au beurre has run up against the forces of global markets. Finding butter or margarine for the breakfast staple has become a challenge across France. Soaring global demand and volume supplies have boosted 
but their prices. And with French supermarkets unwilling to pay more for their dairy product products, and producers are taking their wares across the border. That has left the French the world's biggest per capita consumers of butter, short of an ingredient for their sauces and tarts. So France is, they're not willing to pay for the butter, and they want to make sauces and tarts. This issue is purely French. This is the Frenchiest French story of the day, and it's related to the fact that there's a price war waging between French retailers, and the French's decision is to basically do nothing. So in World War II, France was like, hmm, should we fight against Germany? No, let's just do nothing. You can come occupy us. That's cool. So French retailers refuse to increase prices even by a few cents, even for butter. Dairy producers see that there's an outside demand at higher prices, so they sell abroad, and rightfully so. This is a supply and demand story. I'm not making this up. If anyone wants a copy of the French or lacking butter to make croissant story, please send it to Rob Black at I don't really care.com. Francis food retailers. I'm French. So butter prices have tripled. How much is it per ton of butter? How much is a ton of butter cost? I have an answer for you. $8,144. So there was a milk crisis back in 2016. Who knew? I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm looking at my net worth right now. Give me a second. Woo! It just hit a record high. Woohoo! I look at the stock market, and woohoo! That too just hit a record high. Woohoo! Is there a correlation? Yeah, there is. Um, and I'm not bragging, but I'm kind of a big deal. You know, I have a leather couch. You know why I would never have a leather couch? I'm kind of a big deal. Because I'm afraid that I'm part cat and I'm going to start tearing it up. I have and many not leather, a leather bound couch books. Kind of guy. I love leather bound books. Rich mahogany. Ah, that's true. So Tesla is coming into earnings soon. What's going to look like? Numura is an analyst, and they have a buy rating for Tesla, predicting the electric car maker will eventually sort out its Model 3 production issues. Don't miss the forest for the trees when considering near-term Model 3 production constraints. Ultimately, we view near-term delivery timing as semantical. That's not a word that's used all that often. Semantical. Reaching mass market production is critical. Whether it happens next week or in six weeks is not um, that is an analyst who is sucking up to Elon Musk as big as he can suck up. Uh, we know you're not going to, we know you're not going to hit total cars delivered that you told us that you would hit. We don't care about that. Just hit it at some point. Right. Um, that's not the type of analyst that I want, you know, in the research of the companies that I follow. That's too shoddy for me. Um, gross margins are going to be the issue for me when it comes to Tesla going forward. So they need to be somewhere around 17 to 20%. 20% and you pay a premium for the company, 17%, and you start saying, ooh, it's getting kind of skimpy here. Um, so pay attention to the gross margins when taking a look at the financials of a Tesla. Have you, never, have you ever, never, ever, never, ever looked at financials? Then you should, um, especially if you're going to be buying stocks. Bitcoin surges to a record $6,400 after the CME announced the launch of futures for the digital currency. Um, wow. 
that's a big number and it's getting bigger. Um, I own no shares of Bitcoin and I'm kind of sad. I'm kind of sad. My mouth is parched. Um, Facebook has a trust problem ahead of its congressional testimony. And it shows you how important trust is and brand is to companies and why Under Armour is missing on its revenue. You can't trust the stock. Can you still trust the brand? I don't buy a lot of athletic gear. Um, Not because I'm not athletic. It's because I'm kind of a guy who uses the same stuff over and over and over and over until I don't. Um, But experts are weighing in on Facebook's trust problem. And, you know, the whole idea is, will you continue to use Facebook over and over and over? I don't ever look at, I've, here's what I look at Facebook for. How about you? I'm kind of curious. Drop me an email at rob at robblack, I really don't care, dot com. Um, how do you use Facebook? Uh, are you just looking up friends, seeing little side notes here or there? Is it a time kill? It's a time kill for me in looking at what friends are up to. Um, I don't look at the stories. And in fact, most of the time when I see stories, it's um, one of my fat friends basically saying, uh, President Trump this or President Trump that. And I'm like, man, you're fat. You need to lose some weight, dude. Uh, but he has an opinion on Trump. So, and he has an article to prove it. So I, I, I don't ever see those articles because I, I don't ever want to, right? Qualcomm shares are tumbling, stumbling, bumbling lower today. And they're in a bit of a legal spat with Apple. Um, shares are down to 6.5% today. Not a yearly low, but pretty darn close. Wall Street Journal reported that Apple is designing products for next year that would not include Qualcomm components. So they've been fighting over patent royalties for a good while now, and they're in court about it. And Apple's playing a game of poker where sometimes in the past you argue about royalties and they say, I'm going to sue you. And then Qualcomm says, no, I'm going to sue you. Qualcomm says, well, we don't want you selling your product in China if it's got our, our goods in it. So... Um, Apple comes back today and says, you know what? We're testing product for the future without your product in it. So Qualcomm and Intel, whoops, Qualcomm and Microsoft, uh, Qualcomm and Apple are having big problems with each other. And Intel is a big winner because the next Qualcomm component out there is an Intel component, closest thing to it. Apple sued Qualcomm for roughly $1 billion earlier this year, saying Qualcomm has been charging royalties for technology they have nothing to do with. Um, Qualcomm is giving Apple access to software. Um that can test the iPhones? Nope. The Qualcomm modem that could be used in the next generation iPhone has already been fully tested and released to Apple. So they feel comfortable with that. Uh, But Apple's saying, we're not testing anything at all at this point in time. So Qualcomm has dismissed Apple's claims as groundless. Qualcomm in turn has asked for international regulators to ban imports of some iPhones until Apple resumes paying them for those patents. A lot going on there, right? And it's like my life. Uh, a friend of mine's going through a divorce and they're doing it just the worst possible way. They're doing it kind of out of the open and they have a tiny house and they're going to do their divorce in a tiny house and they're going to stay in the same house. And I don't want anything to do with it. It's like Qualcomm and, and Apple. I don't want anything to do with Qualcomm right now until we, in the past, this gets settled and Qualcomm stock roars higher. But at this point in time, I want nothing to do with it. So it's, it's like that friend. It's like, you know, I, I understand getting a divorce. I understand that and doing it the best possible way. But when you're basically, you know, lying to neighbors and lying to your, each other, well, I don't want nothing to do with that drama. Save the drama for your mama or save your drama for the llama. So 
um, I one day want to meet the Dalai Lama. But in this case, I really want him to be the Lama, not the spiritual figure. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. There is a panic today. Uh, there is a shortage of butter in France. Uh, there's a panicked rush by consumers to stock up. Uh, this is no, no lie. This is, this is not a test. There's a panic for butter in France as of today. Please note that and uh, respect that going oh, into meetings day with some of your coworkers who might be French. So it is a national tragedy. Um, national home prices continue to rise, up 6.1% annually. Um, home price increase appear to be unstoppable. Uh, seasonally adjusted, um, nine of the 20 cities in the S&P Case-Shiller Index had a great year-over-year numbers, Seattle, Las Vegas, and San Diego, um, all showing great growth. Um, in the past, you've seen Portland, Denver, and Seattle. Sometimes it's San Francisco, L.A., and uh, Washington, D.C. So when your city's not in, when your city's top 20 city and they're not in the list of the m- biggest gainers for the top 20, uh, just be patient. It, it seems to be working that way for people. So I own real estate and stocks. I've made a lot more wealth in the stock market. Um, I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm Roberto Negro, uh, Rob Black, and your Doleros. Uh, I'm exhausted. I need a cigarette. I don't smoke, but I need a cigarette. This is exhausting, the whole French crisis. I don't know how I'm going to get through it without you. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. On the telephone, Patrick O'Hare. Briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, how are you today, sir? Hey, Rob. Doing well. Thank you. Good to be back with you. It's always good to have you. Um, we're in earnings season, and earnings season seems to be supporting Wall Street's recent highs. That's kind of a lot of extrapolation going on, but is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, it certainly isn't isn't hurting. Um, you know, the rate of growth this uh, third quarter uh, is, isn't as robust as we've seen in recent quarters. But, you know, we're pushing 5% now on the S&P 500 in terms of operating earnings growth, uh, thanks in large part to those uh, stellar reports we got out of Facebook, Amazon, and Microsoft last week. Uh, but, you know, as we've discussed before, as it as the market considers the third quarter reporting period, I think that a lot of the good earnings news had already been factored into the market. Therefore, you're not seeing uh, outside of a you know some isolated uh, reports, not seeing a, a, an, an aggressive response to better than expected earnings news. But at the same time, you're not seeing any inclination to to sell things off uh, on good earnings news either, because market participants, for the most part, continue to look ahead to what should be a very good fourth quarter reporting period uh, early next year, uh, and which should be accented by double-digit earnings growth. That's pretty exciting. Some of the big technologies and uh, transformative issues, we've got great health care in the United States, always breaking through uh, new ideas and issues. We have Google coming out with self-driving cars sooner rather than later. Uh, what are some of the positives out there that you see that continue to support your thesis, or maybe not your thesis, but the thesis of a higher market in, in good times, so to speak? 
Well, uh, what we're seeing certainly is the continuance of improving economic data. Uh, you got a slate of it this morning, um, uh, in particular the consumer confidence number, which hit its highest level in nearly 17 years. Uh, you have a Chicago manufacturing report that uh, is, you know, at its highest level in over three years. And and so from, from a confidence standpoint, from a consumer and business confidence standpoint, you are seeing clear signs of, of, of a better vision, if you will. Uh, and, uh, and that kind of fits into the fabric of a lot of economic data of late that has continued to surprise on the upside, which is supporting this notion of, of a nice pickup in economic growth before you even get any fiscal stimulus, and which is also coinciding with the pickup in growth that we're seeing elsewhere. So that's certainly a factor. And even though interest rates have picked up here in recent weeks, the fact of the matter is that interest rates are still low, and that remains a supportive factor for this bull market as well, which is feasted on the persistence of low interest rates. So you have low interest rates, uh, inflation that remains you know relatively modest, pickup in economic growth, and a sight line to even stronger earnings growth in the fourth quarter and first quarter of next year that has nothing to do with any type of cut in the tax rate. So those are things that remain supportive here for the bull market and why we continue to see this, uh, this willingness to buy on dips uh, and, and basically this um, uh, willingness to overlook bad news in the present day. Okay, now moving into the Trump agenda and what's not getting done. Um, we know health care reform kind of got stalled, and uh, that's a big issue, dramatic on politics, not so much on Wall Street because we kind of powered through it. Uh, how about tax reform? It seems to be getting a little bit dramatic at this point in time with you know just a lot of split ideas amongst the Republicans and Democrats saying dead on arrival. Um, how do you see this tax reform playing out of the U.S. economy and stock market? Well, man, that that is a sixty-four billion yeah. dollar question. I guess uh, you know um, it, it's difficult to get a, a, a you know put a finger on things because you know you are in this uh, tax writing period here uh, in both the House and the Senate, and the GOP in those respective chambers is you know trying to find a way to come up with a plan that's going to be agreeable to to their own members because they're uh, going to be able to attempt to push this through, you know, with the reconciliation process, which requires only a simple majority versus the 60-vote threshold in, in the Senate. So I think that the, the GOP is, uh, you know, in a mode right now of knowing that it's got to hit on something here. Uh, because it's been, you know, coming up empty throughout this year. And, uh, and so the, the ability to find this common ground, though, remains very much in question, based in large part on what you alluded to as well, is that they weren't able to reach a compromise on the health care, the repeal and the replace of Obamacare that they had long campaigned on. So it does create some misgivings about their ability to reach a, a, a compromise on what will be regarded by the market as as a a you know, quote, great tax reform plan. But I suppose that the market would be tolerant of any type of tax reform at this juncture uh, that includes some type of lower tax rate for both individuals and businesses. And if you are to get that before the end of the year, um, 
would go over well. Uh, but I think that the market also has a little tolerance, as we've also discussed before, for seeing that extended into the new year as well. So long as the narrative around that tax reform plan continues to suggest that there's momentum behind it and that there seems to be a good possibility of it actually uh, you know, reaching an agreeable uh, terms between both the House and the Senate GOP. Taking a look at something you brought up this morning, the Employment Cost Index, and let's talk about employment in the United States. Uh, if you were to tap the pulse, what can you tell me about how our economy is doing tied towards employment and jobs? Well, certainly, you know, the labor market is is you know uh, doing quite well. Um, you're, you're seeing some tightening there. You see it in in the low unemployment rate. Uh, we saw it even in the Chicago. PMI report this morning where uh, manufacturers in the Chicago Fed region anyway are, dis- are, are, are pointing to this notion or that they're having you know, difficulty finding skilled and trained labor and are even starting to lose some of their skilled labor to uh, other companies willing to pay higher wages. And so that's something you know, that is going to resonate, I think, for the Federal Reserve as it contemplates what it's going to do at its not at this week's meeting, but you know at the December meeting where it seems to be on a line toward raising the Fed funds rate again. But you know the labor market, though, even though you, you can make a good case that it's it's very tight when you look simply at the unemployment rate. I mean, you still have a relatively high long-term unemployment rate, so it's not a perfect situation right now. And you can tell, given the you know, wage growth has has been modest to this point, uh, that there remains some slack in the labor force. And so uh, the, the missing variable to make a uh, uh, an unassailable argument that the labor market is extremely tight and is, and is getting overheated would be in, you know, faster wage growth. We're still not seeing that yet, but things are picking up a little bit better, so there's signs of encouragement there. Anything that you're working on, Mr. O'Hare, that you want to add a little color to? I've been dominating this conversation, pulling us from politics to taxes and uh, employment, and you're hitting everything out of the ballpark. Anything that can give us some insight into what you're working on now? Well, you're making all the right pitches, Rob. Um, you yeah. know, they're they're coming across the middle of the plate, but but you're 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 in this ballpark here because uh, there is a lot going on this week uh, between the earnings uh, news, between uh, the House GOP potentially uh, unveiling its its tax plan this week. Uh, you've had a Bank of Japan meeting. You're going to have the Fed meeting on Wednesday. You've got the Bank of England meeting on Thursday, uh, and then you've got the employment report at the end of the week on Friday. So. Quite honestly, I'm kind of uh, not a deer in headlights here, <laughs> but I'm taking it all in right now and trying to sit back and assess it. And uh, and ultimately, I believe you know an idea for this week's big picture column, which I post on Friday, will come out of out of that fabric somehow. <laughs> so I'm seeing that um, Selena Gomez was named Billboard's 2017 Woman of the Year, and you're saying, where's this going? It's just the end of the year. Um, any final thoughts as we approach October, November, December, um, as it starts to wrap up and move into 2018? Well, I think the, the, the thought that fits into the narrative today as we talk about a, a bull market that just seems to hang in there no matter what the news is, is that, is that the odds are stacked in its favor that that will remain the case into year-end, barring some really nasty, exogenous event um, that would catch everyone by surprise. But uh, the point was made several weeks ago by none other than Warren Buffett, you know, where he's indicated that he's not selling anything in the year end because he's he's uh, sitting there waiting to see what type of 
tax reform plan we get, and if and he'd feel foolish for having sold now if he is going to look back six months from now and realizes he could have sold it at a lower tax rate. So I think that that mentality is going to continue to prop up the market here, certainly limit the pullbacks, uh, the extent of the pullbacks, because there's a reluctance on the part of institutional accounts here to sell into year-end until they see what takes shape on the, on the tax reform side. Anything else uh, that you want to add in? Because uh, we're just burning through content, and we still have about 45 seconds. Well, you know, the what's been very interesting to me is to see what's going on with the yield curve right now. Um, notwithstanding all of this talk about a synchronized pickup in global growth, uh, what the yield curve is pointing to right now is that it's buying into this notion that you're going to get reflation without the inflation. And it's been a really peculiar uh, circumstance to see the narrowing spread between the two-year and the 10-year note uh, that typically points or suggests that you might see softer economic activity or at the least that you're not going to see a pickup in inflation. So what that suggests to me is that uh, there could be quite a pain trade there at the long end of the curve if you see an inflation scare here over the next few months, and that could lead to quickly rising interest rates uh, that re- you know have a large uh, have have a lot to do with what mortgage rates do and the like. So we're keeping a close eye on that, but it's a very peculiar situation right now. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare, Briefing.com. I start my day every day reading his page one. There's so much content on the site that it'll keep you entertained all day if you're thinking business, finance, and investing. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Under Armour CEO says we are disappointed. Under Armour's earnings report was ugly. The company lowered its guidance. They've got some of the best athletes that you can get in Jordan Spieth and Steph Curry. And they just, they're not putting the pieces of the puzzle together. It's like the Rubik's Cube isn't coming together. They moved it two or three times from the original position and it just doesn't feel right. Um, they continue to show a decline in revenue. Uh... Pretty importantly, they slashed their full-year outlook for 2017. They predicted full-year operating income to come in basically pretty weak. Um, So a big problem for it is North America, and that shouldn't be the big problem, so to speak. Um, Do we have a call, or do we have Chad? What do we have coming up here? I forgot to check in with my producer during the break. Mr. Producer? It's, um, Chad Burton does a morning show here on KDOW, uh, AM 1220, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. It's New Focus on Wealth with CFP, Chad Burton. Let's get a little sample of that right here, right now. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton talking major decisions that can affect your retirement. Um, this seems pretty obvious, like not saving enough money, so you're living off Social Security. Are we talking that kind of major decision? Yeah, I mean, there's a good article at USA News Money site. And um, one of the biggest ones, you and I talk about it all the time, is is when you start saving. And an example that it, when you run the numbers, what I typically see is if a person gets out of college or starting a job at 22 to 25, they can save 10% of pay techni- typically if they have a bit of a retirement match on their 401k, like 4%, and they'll be able to retire at 65 with the same type of a lifestyle in most cases. If you start saving when you're 45 in other words, you've enjoyed your lifestyle, you're buying all these depreciating assets, your favorite cars, your boats, you're swapping houses and spouses and things like that, and you don't start until you're 45 years old, you have nothing saved up, yep. you're going to have to save 25% of pay 
in order to get to that same point that only 10% if you would have started a couple of decades earlier. So compound and time is on your side. I mean, that means you're, you're actually decreasing your lifestyle at the age of 45 to have a decreased lifestyle at the age of 65. So you have to get on board with the idea you got to pay yourself first at an early age. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more on some of these decisions. And I think one of the toughest things that people have is taking a decision. Like we all come up with these great ideas. Like I'm going to make X amount of money. I'm going to save X amount of money. I'm going to budget X amount of ways, but then taking action is actually probably the toughest part of financial planning. Yeah, it is. I mean, you kind of have to have one, you know, week and day a month to concentrate on your financial plan, whether that's tracking your, your budget through a mint.com or some of the other sites that do that. I think you mentioned one recently that you've, you've found similar to mint. Yeah. It's called uh, level level. Um, and that, you know, you've got to go in, you've got to itemize your expenses so you can track your expenses, see where you're spent spending too much, see where you can cut and be able to save because so many people, these, you know, 20 and 30 somethings are still giving up their 401k match. They think that the system is broken because of the bubbles that we've gone through. They are scared to save because they fear about things like high frequency trading that they think makes a difference in the long run. And it doesn't, I mean, not taking advantage of the 401k match is death to your retirement. I understand that. And, you know, I can give you a perfect example where my brother, Michael, who's 18 months older than me, he made a decision in the early 90s when there was a thrift and saving loans crisis um, that the banks were failing that he wanted out of the stock market. So he cashed out, cashed out his 401k, and he missed the 20-year bull run. Yeah, the eight-year run that was unbelievable to in the 90s. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, we had another dip in 2000, and he probably was feeling pretty smart, like, ha ha, I got out. 10 years ago and only to be at this point in time, he's going to work till the day he dies because of that decision. Yeah, it is. And then the same people that cash out their 401k. Here's what's been typical lately. People cash out their 401k down to get it, take advantage of the low rates on their loans so they can get into a house that they can barely afford. So they cash out their 401k and they get 20% tax withholding and they think that's it. Then they go buy the house and then April 15th comes around and they've got another huge, you know, double digit number thousands of dollars that they have to come up with to pay uncle sam and you can't go bankrupt with uncle sam yeah and what you mean by that is when you owe them x amount of dollars you will eventually pay them x amount of dollars they will put liens on your house they will put liens on your paycheck they will get that money liens on your ira oh imagine yeah because they they can lean put a lien on your ira and they can force you to pull the money out of it to pay the taxes, and you'll avoid the 10% penalty, but you still have to pay the taxes on the money that they lien. So it's like this ongoing ballooning problem. Does that lien get a uh, grade of A? <laughs> Would you invest in liens? Oh, there's a lot of people that invest in the tax lien situation. And the Shady. Is, I will never invest in anything where who I'm investing with prints their own statement. Yeah. You know what I mean? I totally know what you mean, but most of our listeners, not most of our listeners, but there's a large ignorant swath of people out there. It's like uh, uh, private REITs, too. Here, our our share price is $10 a share. We don't know how we came up with that, but here you go. It's $10 a share. And now you're seeing the Wells REIT 1, Wells REIT 2, and they've they've gone public, and you can see where people are disappointed with their returns and private REITs. I wouldn't touch private REITs at all. With that said, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Uh, Some big stories out there today. Sony had a great quarter tied towards the Sony PlayStation. Um, That's kind of nice, right? 
It's uh, not super excitable, but kind of nice all the same. Uh, so Wall Street's paying attention to earnings season, and something silly like a PlayStation can be your big seller. Uh, you go for it, because that's a company. Sony, a big media company, has struggled to find something uh, with gription or traction, so to speak. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.